the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, sometimes I feel like on a Wednesday night with you guys, we could just sit up here and start praying and just keep on praying and just rejoice and just turn it into a shouting message. And I believe it's going to be one anyway. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Now since we traded our unrighteousness for Jesus' righteous, we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. And the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Our life should be a tree producing fruit. And the fruit is life. Do you see how much you can get out of this one scripture? God gave us his righteousness and then he gives us the power to to bring forth the same kind of life he gave in us. He gave us the words of eternal life that we can speak to bring somebody else to this place of righteousness. And our life should be all about producing more life. We are a light and we should be producing more light. That is the the way of the righteous. That's why you were made right. To help others be made right. And it goes on to say, he who wins souls is wise. Why? Because that's what produces the life. That's what, where life emanates, salvation, because we were dead in our sins and trespasses until we heard the gospel, the good news. And now we can share that good news with others and see life produced in them and from our tree, all this fruit of righteousness that we can, we can offer to the Lord. He can look down and say, whoa, we're not going to be like that tree that he, Jesus come walking up on the fig tree that wasn't producing any fruit that he cursed. We're not going to be like that fig tree that in the Bible it says that he went back to it a couple years and it wouldn't produce no fruit and the father wanted to cut it down. And, but G- Jesus hollered, hold on a second, let's give it one more year. Let's, let's fertilize it real good and, and see if it won't do. No, we want our lives producing fruit. A tree of life. Now I'm going to tell you a story I've probably already told two or three times up here in the church. But some of them you just going to have to get used to because they're just so good. <laughs> to me, I mean, they make such a good point. I mean, I listened to Adrian Rogers so many times, I knew all his stories, you know. <clears throat> but when before I got saved, you guys know I played in a rock and roll band. We were called Diesel Jane. Okay, within one year, God got a hold of everybody in the band, and we all got saved. And now they're your praise team. Some 20-something years later, most of your praise team came from that year where we all got saved. At least it was me and Tony and Troy at the time, and Jamie, he's still with us, but he he goes to a different church. 
We go to different churches together. Okay, so, but when we came out of the world, we decided we were going to start singing for Jesus. And so we, we changed our whole song list and we spent some time retooling. And then we started playing some youth rallies and things like that. Well, one of the old hangouts, the bars that we used to play at, they were used to having us headline their festival every year. And they called me and they said, we're ready for Diesel Jane. We're about to have our yearly festival. I can't remember what they called it. It was probably some benefit from all the drunks that left and had a wreck on the way from out of the bar the, the year before. But <clears throat> that's the way it usually happened. But they, they wanted us to come. I said, I, you know what? I said, uh, you're not going to believe this, but we're not Diesel Jane anymore. We call ourselves Soul Food, and we're all singing for Jesus. And she says, yeah, right. And I said, no, I'm serious. She says, yeah, well, anyway, we want y'all to come. She thought I was just joking with her. I said, we're going to come, but we're going to sing Christian music. She said, all right, whatever, just come. Gave me the date, the time. We were baby Christians. We didn't, I didn't know three scriptures, you know. And, and we showed up, and all I think, we was quiet on the way there. We didn't know what we were about to get into. But we rolled up into this, this nightclub that, that uh, was a nightclub at night and a bait shop during the day. <laughs> it was a biker bar at night, you know, bikers from all, I can't say. But anyway, we showed up out there, and my heart was fluttering a little bit. What are we getting ourselves into? What are we getting ourselves into? And they opened the front door, and the place was packed. It was, they usually had the festival out back. You know, we could get up on a high stage, and I figured we'd do our set and leave. But it was raining that night, and so we get there, and they're all packed into place, and they open the door, and just smoke just barrels out. You know, you could just, and you could hear the ruckus going on, bottles crashing and everything. And I'm thinking, what have we got her in? It's the kind of place where you walked in, and they checked you for a gun. And if you didn't have one, they gave you a loaner. You, you, you were going to need one. So we walked in, and two or three guys said, Diesel Jane, what's up, guys? I said, hey, man, how you doing? We call ourselves Soul Food now. He says, yeah, whatever, grab you a beer, you know. And I'm like, <clears throat> well, the band that was supposed to go on before us didn't show up, so they told us, can y'all go ahead and go? Because the crowd's already getting restless. They, the other band didn't show up. I said, all right. So we ran up there. We plugged our guitars in, got them in tune just as soon. And the crowd was restless. And they're like, y'all hurry up, you know. And they, they don't wait long in those kind of places. But I knew we needed to pray. So I said, guys, and we kind of just gathered at the drum uh, platform there. And I don't remember what I prayed exactly, but it was something along the lines of, Help! <laughs> We don't know what we're doing. What are we about to do? But anyway, we were pretty good, solid musicians. We were playing every, every weekend up to then, and, and we had been playing together for about five years at the time. And so we had worked up these songs that we were really excited about. Some of them we're still playing 25 years later. But anyway, so we started hitting them with these Christian songs. And I, I looked out, and, and they were some of them, people up there dancing to them and stuff, you know? And they were acting like, hey, this is pretty cool. I don't even think they, they heard what the songs were saying at first. And about three or four songs in, we had them, hallelujah. They were saying what we were saying, it, and they were saying it back, you know. And this, I don't think they were grasping the magnitude of what was happening here. And then we slowed it down and played a worship song. And I'm not kidding. Couples got up and went to the floor and slow danced. 
with a beer. <laughs> and we're worshiping the Lord, you know, and they're slow dancing with a beer. But it wasn't until I went back to the back of my amp and pulled out an old King James Bible and walked up to the microphone is when it happened. And we'll tell you about that a little later. <clears throat> We're starting a new series tonight here on Wednesday nights called Soul Winners. Now that's, if you felt like, oh no, here we go. Well, then you're probably not a soul winner. <laughs> but if you were like, yes, I need to know more about this. I need to get better at my witness. Then you probably are a soul winner. And I'm just kidding. All of you should be soul winners. And tonight's message is called the difference maker. And then in bold capital letters, L-O-V-E. The difference maker is love. Now, can I get somebody to help me pass these out? I wanted everybody to get one of these. Joe, could you pass these out? These are our salvation cliff notes, and they're always available at the back table. They've been back there since I've been pastor because I believe that Dare to Share 101 class we had this last Sunday after church that hardly anybody showed up to was probably one of the most powerful, impactful one hours that this church ever produces. And I believe that that sheet right there, if you were to memorize those scriptures and get those principles in your heart, it would radically change the amount of fruit that you're producing and you would become a, a better tree of life. You would be producing more fruit than you ever have before by simply memorizing some, a couple of those scriptures, maybe one from each category. And learning the principles, and when I say principles, those bold letters in black across there, that's what we're going to study over the next few weeks. We're going to take one at a time. Now, if you see the first section, what does the bold print above it say? God loves you, right? You ain't got yours yet. Joe, what are you waiting on? You're going fast as you can. I could hobble out there and do faster. My knee's swelling up, Joe. I can't stand up out here all night. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. All right, it says God loves you, right? That's up there first for a reason because without God's love, we got nothing to discuss. As Christians, without God's love, we got nothing to talk about. We got nothing to brag about. We got nothing to offer. Without God's love, no love, no hope. Now, the first scripture you see there is John 3, 16. Most of you can probably quote that in the King James, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. No, 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 no. But we're going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, for this is how God loved the world. How did God show his love to this world? He gave his one and only son. Now right there, if you just sit and meditate on that a minute, it'll radically change everything that you know to be true. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Isn't that the tree of life that we're talking about? 
This is where it started. God loved us so much he could not bear to think of heaven without us. He did not create you to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish. His greatest desire is that you be with him forever. And not just you, but the whole world. God so loved the world. Does he love the Muslims? Does he love the Hindus? Does he love MS-13? He loves everybody. Verse 17, if you went on, says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He did not come with the intention to condemn us, to go ahead and judge us and to count us out. He knew where we were at. And how many of you remember where you were at when he saved you? Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we have a we we have been so righteous for so long we forget where we came from. The second scripture in Romans 5:8 says but God showed his great love. Now it expounds on the word love. God so loved the world, but how did he love them? With a great love. For us, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I don't think anybody in here probably cleaned themselves up and got yourself all spiffy before you came to Jesus. If you did, that made God's nose turn up even worse. That you would think that your righteousness would satisfy a holy God. No, we were all in the same boat. We were all helpless, hopeless. Couldn't be good people if we wanted to be. And verse 9 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. We were condemned because of our sin. But now we have been saved from our sin, and God is not up there condemning us. In Romans 8, 1, I think it is, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And some of us are still beating ourselves up from our past. I laugh at all the crazy things I used to do. It hurts my heart to think of some of the things that I hurt people. But I had to learn to forgive myself. You know, all the people that we tell you you must forgive, God says forgive or you not be for, the Father won't forgive you. Well, one of the people is you. And he's not wanting you to live in a state of condemnation where you're constantly bringing up and judging your own past. He wants you to, by faith, realize that you have been forgiven. Have been. Your sins were thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and remembered no more. And when we bring it up, It's foolishness, and God doesn't want that. We've been made right in the sight of God by the blood of Christ, and he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now, isn't the fruit of the righteous a tree of life? And it says here we'll be saved by the life of his son. Where do we get the life that makes our tree 
produce fruit from the sun. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, if you get broken off, you wither and die. But if you stay hooked up to me, you stay hooked up to the, to the juices flowing through the vine. The life of God. The closer you stay with Jesus, the more life you produce. That's why we don't want to get caught up in sin and darkness and begin to drift away from the close relationship that we have because we stop producing fruit. And we dry up. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, that's what he wanted. He didn't want to be enemies. We made ourselves enemies of the cross. But the cross reconciled us and made us friends against... You see, it says there twice that we're friends with God. In verse 10, it says, For since our friendship with God... And then in verse 11, it says, and Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. And see, Jesus says, you're no longer, I no longer call you my servants, but I call you my friends because I share my plans with you. God wants to live out your life with you. He's like that. He sent his Holy Spirit who can be everywhere all at once. He can be, when you leave here tonight and you go home, God goes with you and God goes with me. And he, will, he cares about every detail of your life. Everything that's important to you is important to God because he is your friend. We get some radical thoughts in our mind about God's up there, some faraway God, and he's just waiting for us to mess up so he can punish us. And that is so far from the truth of the relationship that God has built with us through Christ Jesus, the friendship. So tonight we're going to talk about God's love and how precious and dear it is. And we're going to talk about the love it takes for us to share God's love. And then we're going to talk about the impact of God's love on others if we'll let it flow through us. Romans 2, 4 <clears throat> says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The King James says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. So, God has a plan by showing us how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient he is, it should make us want to respond to that love. And we should want to stay away from sin. We should want to repent and, and just want to stay with his goodness. But in turn, we should also want to give this same kind of tolerance, the same kind of patience, and this love that we've been shown to others. Or have you forgotten how good he was to you? Is he good only to you? Or does he care about the others? Yeah, but you don't know these guys, man. They're these MS-13 characters, they're, you know, they're beyond saving. Well, I can tell you, 
I don't know if they had a category in my high school, but if it was the least likely to get saved category in our, my high school, I probably my picture would have been in the yearbook. God's love can change anybody given the chance. Woo, I see somebody raising their hand back there. Thank you, Jesus. Some, sometimes as Christians, you just got to remember where you came from. We, we get bogged down in, in this week and how bad I'm doing and condemnation comes and we start beating each other up. We start getting all sad sack about things ain't going the way we want. We need to remember where we came from and where we'd be with, without this kindness and this tolerance and this love and this patience that God shows for us daily. We have so much to rejoice about and we have so much to do for Christ that we really don't have time to th think about woe is me. The fields are white to harvest. If we're about the Father's business, we wouldn't be sitting, stirring up strife and division and everything else that we're doing. Woo-wee! John 3.16 didn't say God was so fed up with the world that He sent us to hold signs that say, y'all are all going to hell. No, I say God so loved the world that he, he didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. But we get saved, and some people want to go out and condemn the rest of it because they all oh, ain't as good as me. But they forgot where they came from. God doesn't rejoice over people's lostness like some Christians do. We must lead this life with love. In every relationship, no matter how difficult people may be and how much they get on our nerves, <coughs> we need to stir ourselves up, stay hooked up to that, to that vine. My many, many years now, over 20 years of being saved and, and witnessing to people at many outreaches and countless one-on-one -on -one conversations, I cannot remember one single time that I ever argued anybody into getting saved. Now, I made a, from the pulpit in the jailhouse, I have made some passionate pleas. And I have laid the gospel down on the line. But it was never a one-on-one -on -one time where me and somebody are going at it that wasn't in the spirit of love that ever seemed to make a difference. You can be passionate and you can preach hard, but you got to do it out of love. <clears throat> now, many times I have gently introduced Jesus to people, and I have seen the hard exterior break away, and I have seen tears begin to flow because everybody's looking for that love that we have. Their hearts are crying out for it even when they don't know it. And love opens doors that a grenade won't budge. I'm serious. There's no show of force can get into a heart, a man's heart. A man can be stubborn about something and he'd just go ahead and shoot me. But you hit him with love. Love disarms even the most hardened haters. You know... Most of you probably went with us a couple, <coughs> a couple times to O'Brien Park in Memphis. It's in a very 
a rough neighborhood, so to speak, gang ridden. And uh, there's apartment complex with real low rent apartments. And, and these children come out into this little park. And most of the time they have no supervision. Parents are on drugs or stuff. And a lot of them you can tell. And, and we go and we would cook hot hamburgers and hot dogs. And we'd bring the band, soul food. And we preach the gospel. We would go, Tom and people would go around passing out tracts and loving on folks, just loving the community. Well, the first year we went, I got there early, driving the truck and pulling the soul food trailer. And I come driving up, and nobody else is there yet, except there's a pavilion just full of guys in it. And I park the truck, and I come walking up to them, and every one of them's got a quart bottle of of beer it smelled like a Cheech and Chong family reunion up under there if you know what I mean and uh it's just a rough lot you can see some of them's eyes are bloodshot and this is in the middle of the day you know you can tell these guys this is their life some of them gang bangers and so forth and when I come walking up you know I look like a slice of white bread walking in there <coughs> And they're probably thinking I'm a, a police a, a guy or something, you know. Yeah, and and well, I would, I didn't even look undercover. They probably knew it better than that. But I see some of them doing like this, you know. <laughs> What's this guy doing, you know? But I came in there and said, hey, guys, I'm a pastor of a local church. We're going to come out here and cook you guys some hamburgers and hot dogs today. We're going to play with the kids and tell people about Jesus. You guys want something to eat? And they're like, you could see just tension leave, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. You you gonna get us a burger, huh? Yeah, y'all eat as many as you want, man. We we want y'all to stay here and join us, you know. That's cool, man. We appreciate that. The kids will love it. And just it's just like the the hard exterior just immediately melted. But what if I'd have come up under there? Okay, guys, we're about to do some church business. Y'all need to hit the road. Y'all ain't got no business being up here drinking. I'm gonna call the cops on y'all." <laughs> I can see the headlines now. Church looking for new pastor. Old pastor pastored away. <laughs> but you know what? As we began to set up, those guys got up one at a time and began to saunder off. And I was hoping they would stay. But they were happy that we were there to minister to the community. Because even under all that exterior, they wanted to be good people. Everybody wants to be good people. They didn't mean to end up like that. They're just as lost as I was. And so they sauntered off and left so that we could have the park to minister to the kids. And they would do that every year. And then sometimes a couple of them would come back and, and get a hamburger or something. And we got a chance to minister to a few of them. But they, they weren't there to interrupt. Yeah. It's just in the way you approach people. When I was growing up, I, I thought God was mad at everybody. <laughs> I knew he must be mad at me because I knew what a louse I was. I knew I was mad at me my whole life. I was like, 
man, this is the best you can do. And I knew God had to just stay mad at me all the time, so I kind of avoided him because I, I was running from God. I did not want him to catch up and, and, and to have to deal with me about who the kind of person I was. And it was at this church at a different location 20-something years ago that I finally stopped running when somebody told me the truth about Jesus, that he wanted to be my friend and he was not my enemy. And they told me about him being on my cross for me, taking, taking my punishment. And they told me that he looked down from that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And those kind of things changed the way I saw God. Changed the way I saw who I was supposed to be. And, I, and when people realize that God's not mad at them, they stop running. And when they realize that they're loved, they not only stop running, but they start sauntering back. To the barbecue. To the fellowship. They start making their way back. Because everybody wants to draw near to the flame. Because the flame is in every person's heart to want to be loved by their creator. To want to be loved by somebody. And when they sense God's kind of love, they stop running and they, and they lay aside their pride and they run to the wings that are wide open. They'll run to the place who has open arms. <clears throat> There's a story of a little village that they were cooking, a, had a campfire out and, and somehow it caught the bottom of a tree on fire. And so the tree started burning from the bottom up and started licking up, the flames licking up into the bottom of the tree and everything. And so all the villagers were sitting back watching the tree and just thinking, wow, we're just going to have a big bonfire or whatever. But, but somebody noticed it. What is that up there? And they noticed some rustling going on in the leaves. And somebody got close enough to say, oh, man, that's a bird and it's got a nest up there. And the bird was hopping from limb to limb, would fly off and come back. And they realized that there was little baby birds in the nest. And this mother bird was freaking out. There was no way to get the birds out of the nest, and the tree was fixing to burn. And they watched, and they said, well, there's nothing we can do. We can't get close enough to help. And they saw the mother bird go over her nest and put her wings over her little ones and put her head down over them until the fire had swept through that area of the tree. And they pushed the nest down, and the little baby birds had survived. But the mother had burnt to a crisp. But she had opened her wings and saved her babies. And that's what Jesus has basically done for us. He has given, a, given us his life so that we can live. <coughs> Jesus didn't go around saying, love you, man. What's up, dude? Love you. Man, I really love you. I love y'all. I love you guys. I love you. Oh, man, looks, looks like you're in need over there, buddy. I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> be warm and be fed, man. Good luck with that. <coughs> he wasn't all talk. He helped. He jumped right in the middle of the situation, and he took, he was love in action. <coughs> Forgive me. He was the visible image of the invisible God, and our God is love. And so when you see Jesus, you see love in action. 
And that's what he did. He loved folks. And you know what? <coughs> People swarmed him. Everywhere he went, the crowds thronged around him. They couldn't wait to just get close enough. The, the woman with the issue of blood crawled on her hands and knees saying that I might touch the hem of his garment. That I could just get, if I could just touch the clothes of his love. I know it will change me. The demoniac, the doomed in the tomb, he come running as soon as the boat hit the shore. All those demons in him could not stop him from running to Jesus. And people out there we think won't run to Jesus. They got too many problems. They got too many issues. There's, all the demons in hell can't stop a person from running to Jesus when they sense his love. <clears throat> the wee shimmy the tree. Little Zacchaeus. He made a way to lay his eyes on God's love. People all throughout the Bible, the lepers left their quarantine at the risk of being stoned to death for doing so to come that they might be healed by the Lord. <coughs> I done got myself all hot. <clears throat> Four friends had a, a buddy that was lame and couldn't walk and they couldn't get to Jesus. The crowd said just so thick inside the house that there was just they couldn't even get around the house. People all outside just trying to listen to what Jesus had to say. They climbed up on the roof and with their hands clawed through the thatch roof and made a hole and let their friend down in front of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you will let Jesus' love shine through you, people will gnaw through a bank vault to come hear what you have to say. There won't be anything that can stop them. No wall, no gate. They will make a way. If this church will love folks like Jesus, we won't have empty chairs. <laughs> that won't be the problem. We won't have enough chairs. <clears throat> Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, King James says. We have that love. We not only have experienced that love, but in the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we now have the capability. We now have that love. And guess whose love it is? It's not a man kind of love. It's not our kind of love. It's not our kind of love was always had a had a catch, had a hook in it. It was always about what can I get out of this love? But we have the unconditional God kind of love in us now. And 1 Timothy 1:5 says the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. Listen to this. They have turned away from these things. What? Pure heart, love, 
good conscience, genuine faith, they turn away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They can quote more scriptures than the pastor. They can tell you the, the complexities of the Holy Trinity. They can tell you the history of the church all the way back to the time of Acts and all the spirits that have controlled the, the demons and all these things from the foundations of the world. But there's no love in their heart and they have, they've turned to these, this meaningless puffed up knowledge and this spiritual pride instead of going out and sharing the love of Christ with someone. And they have missed the whole point. The great commission and the great commandment. And they have made it about, they have focused on the, not even the secondary issues, the tertiary issues, the, the fourthary issues. And it's mind-boggling what people have made their Christianity about. And I think to myself, my Lord, I, can, I do not want to be there that day on Judgment Day when they stand before Jesus and, they, and He asks them, what fruit have you produced? And they say, well, I did this, this, this book on all the Christian preachers that, that are going to hell. <clears throat> I bet He's going to say, well, thank you so much. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Is sharing the gospel a sacrifice? Of course it is sometimes. But what do we think sending your only begotten son to die on a cross was? Some will only minister if everything lines up just perfect. Some have never told anybody about Jesus because they're waiting for that magical moment when somebody asks them. Or they won't go on the outreach. Well, Saturday, I got to get a haircut. Nah, I can't make it. Or this or that. Everything has the line. I mean, the stars have to come into alignment for them to feel like, okay, I might go. I might tell somebody. I might share with my coworker. I'm, I might broach the subject. And sometimes it takes them six to eight months to mention the name of Jesus. And, and their coworkers, I didn't even know you was a Christian. <laughs> First John 3.16, we already read John 3.16. First John 3.16 says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. You want to know what real love is? It's giving up your life. So we ought also to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Since we know what real love is. <clears throat> Erwin Lutzer says, Those who give much without sacrifice are reckoned as having given little. What does he mean? Well, I, that brought to mind the little widow woman who gave her two mites. She only gave a couple pennies. I'm sure there were those in the crowd that day that gave thousands. 
But that didn't impress Jesus as much as her two mites because he wasn't looking at the amount. He was looking at the sacrifice because to her, that was everything. And she sacrificed everything she had to live on. And they gave out of their abundance. So Jesus sees things a little differently. We go down to the jailhouse every Sunday night, you know. And there are times, I just want to jerk her knot in her head or something, you know. I don't want to acting crazy or something. But there, there have been times where I have said, guys, you know what? I'm wore out. I've been preaching all day, doing, been to the nursing home, did this, yank, 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 yank. I done done all these things. And I came here tonight. And I'm not even getting paid for it. Now, I want you to explain to me what would send a man down here to talk to you for free when he's already wore out, when he could be at home with his family. If, there, if God is not real, and if I don't really believe in what I'm preaching tonight, why would I even be here? And if God is not real, why would why, who put this love in my heart to want to minister to you? A bunch of criminals, I don't tell you, but in a, in a county jail somewhere. That's just not, that's not something a normal person would even think about. But when they see it from that aspect, they say, hey, why is he here? He ain't getting paid? You know, they're thinking, that I must be getting paid for this. See, Christian love works better with sacrifice. It looks more genuine. They can't explain why we love like we do. Just like we can't explain why God sent his only son to die on the cross for us. Makes no sense whatsoever. Now, I'm going to say something hard, like I hadn't already. If you have no compulsion to share your faith, you're either not saved, or you've not even begun to work out your salvation. And last week, last Sunday, we talked about being saved and then to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what God has put on the inside, that love, the Holy Spirit in you, that you, you have to, to, to stay hooked up with the vine so that you can begin to work it out, the relationship, and you, you study and you, you, you get these things in you so that you can begin to find out what you were created to do, how you were supposed to produce this life as a tree of righteousness. How, how do we do this? If, if you have no compulsion, I should have maybe said it like this, you have no compulsion to minister the gospel to anyone else, then you're probably not saved. But if you have a desire, but you're scared, then you need to do more working out your salvation because you hadn't even stepped into the first phase of God's plan for your life. You are a tree of life. You're supposed to be producing life. That, that is why you're still here. He didn't save you just so you can sit here and wait for Him to come back. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is the factor. If you, if you know God, you know love. If you don't know God, you don't know love. Jesus says, <coughs> if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's the great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love Jesus, you will love the Father, you love the Son, and you will love your neighbors. And then what is his other great commandment? But we call it the Great Commission. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's to make disciples. To go and make disciples of all nations. There's a couple of different renderings of it in different gospels. One says to make disciples. One says to go and preach the gospel. And I thought to myself, what is the Great Commission? And it dawned on me. The Great Commission is the Great Commandment in action. That is exactly what it is. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, then you have to go tell them. You cannot not tell them. If this building caught on fire, we're not going to run out that door and leave the kids to burn. We're going to run down that hallway and say, let's go, get out of here. This plane is going down. So there's one one of my brothers back there. He can verify this story. We were at that nightclub, and I reached back in the back of my aunt, and I pulled, back, pulled out that old King James Bible. I didn't know what in the world. I didn't know two or three scriptures, but I'd been reading this one. And I walked up to the microphone, and guess what they did? They, their eyes got big, and it kind of, you heard everybody sitting down, chairs, and people, they was like me. They were like, what's fixing to happen? I'm like, I don't know. <clears throat> And I turned to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I read to him where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news. And I started reading to them the things that, that why Jesus came. That's the scripture that Jesus used when he stood up before. He said, And today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. In other words, you're looking at him. This is why I came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the. the uh, captives are free and the, the jubile, year of Jubilee. And I read that scripture in that smoky nightclub and you could have heard a pin drop. And I didn't know if it was because they were getting their guns out or whether they were listening. But I said my piece and I closed that Bible and it was about this quiet. It sounded like full gospel church on a Wednesday night. And I said, come on guys, let's play another song. And we played that song and I didn't know if they was going to run us out of town or what was about to happen. We played one more song and I believe my knees were shaking when I brought my guitar back to the stand. And before I turned around, half the bar 
had rushed the stage. And I was like, uh-oh. And they started shaking my hand. They wanted to shake our hand, didn't they? They started patting us on the back. Man, we appreciate y'all coming. Man, I go to church so and now so-and-so. You know, they're telling me where they went to church and stuff. Y'all need to come more often, man. We can't believe y'all came. That's awesome. And there was such genuine affection in their eyes. I could not believe that these people were so excited that we had dared step into the darkness and bring them the light. I don't care what they think they want. I don't care where they have ended up. There's not a person on this planet that can't respond to the light of God's glorious grace. To the love of Jesus. Don't write anybody off. Just keep loving. It may take a while to get through that hard exterior. They may have been hurt many times. But you just keep loving. And they're going to they're going to rush the stage. One day they're going to rush this altar. They're going to come down here and get saved. Love is the key. There's a scripture in the Bible that speaks of meeting angels unaware, you know. That sometimes maybe while we're down here we run into an angel and I feel like it's happened to me a couple times. You can't explain where did that person come from? Or why'd that person do that for me? Or how'd, why'd they give me this money in this inopportune time that saved my life or something? And you run into angels unaware. But maybe, just maybe, maybe it wasn't an angel. Maybe it was a Christian who understood this principle of love. And maybe there needs to be more angel-like behavior down here that can save people in their time of distress and save people spiritually in their time of distress. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.